This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online, and yes, uh, I didn't do a show last week because uh, I was sick. Uh, I had a bad cold, and it came on the Wednesday before uh, I record the show, which is on Friday nights, and so that meant that uh, by Friday it was at the peak level of uh, un- you know discomfort and just uh, sounding bad and all that stuff and just not feeling like doing much other than cough and sniffle. Um, I still am at the tail end of the coughing and sniffling. So a little phlegm, a little mucus. So I will try to minimize the sniffles and and the throat clearing uh, for the show. But uh, since I do this live to laptop, I don't edit anything. I'm not going to cut out my coughs or stuff like that. I will. I'll do what I can to uh, to keep it at a minimum. Uh, I hope you did uh, download and listen to and enjoy uh, the the bonus episode I put up. Since I wasn't going to do a show last week, I figured, well, let's let's go pull one out of the archives. You know, I've done something like 300. Well, I think 300 shows. I'm pretty sure it was exactly 300 shows prior to my doing this on iTunes uh, or, or offering it on iTunes or however you catch your podcasts. And and virtually all of them are available on um, ztalkradio.com. If you go to the show archives, you can find the Dimland Radio f- uh, folder in there and find all the shows, even the ones that are on iTunes. They're in there as well. So this show will be in there eventually. So, but you can find those old ones if you if you want to go through and sample. You can hear earlier shows where um, the sound wasn't great, or um, the, you could hear the fan of the uh, of the laptop and things of that nature. You could, yeah, I, I was working my way through. <clears throat> and uh, anyway, um, last week the bonus show was of an interview that I did, an actual interview with a guest, an actual guest. <laughs> On my actual show, uh, it was the 58th show that I had done, so that goes back seven years, and the guest was Ben Radford, and he's a fairly well-known skeptic, uh, and uh, he had written, he actually, he had just published the book uh, Tracking the Chupacabra, in which he pretty much solves the Chupacabra thing and where that nails down how that legend began and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and he, but he also had done a book called Paranormal Scientific or Scientific Paranormal Investigation. We talked about that and all that. So if you're interested in listening to that and you didn't listen to it, uh, check it out. It's it's you know I talk about the weather for a little bit at the beginning before the interview starts uh, before I bring uh, Ben Radford on. But um, uh, you know what it, you know it's just what I did, and that was in the days when I did the show live uh, to actual live. So people would listen to me as I'm recording it, uh, and uh, so, but I didn't do the interview section live. I did that. I pre-recorded that and I just played it back. So it was an easy show for me to do that week. I did get some good fa- feedback on it. Uh, a friend of mine listened to it and said, "Hey, that was a pretty good show. Uh, you asked good questions and you let Ben answer the questions." A lot of times, as interviewers, uh, they. They seem more interested. I heard this. I heard this bit of advice uh, when somebody was talking about if you're going to do interviews. Uh, this bit of advice was, you know, don't be one of those people that are just, you know, more interested in think of what the next question is going to be. Listen to the answer. 
because that might suggest a new question for you. There are good interviewers out there. Charlie Rose is one of the best, although <laughs> he couldn't keep his pants on, so he's not uh, around anymore. You know, he's just, you know, he got in some trouble. But uh, but he but he was a good interviewer. <laughs> uh, anyway. <clears throat> Uh, it's just to so if you are interested, check it out. It's the bonus show from last it posted last week. It's bonus show number ten. I've only done ten of them, uh, so just check it out. You might enjoy it. Uh, it's some catching up for the show that I did the last time. You know, before I got sick. Uh, I I've been trying lately under consultation with some of, some friends who listen to the show and say, hey, you know, you might want to tweak this and do a little of this or listen to that. You know, it's just a little, you know, constructive criticism, which is which is welcome. And one of the things was just make sure you have your information right there where you can see it. And and you've got it at your fingertips. Because uh, sometimes I, I get lost trying to find some fact uh, that I should have. Sometimes that's due to the fact that uh, when I go on an aside, some of them aren't planned. So I may not have that information. That's that's part of the reason for the show notes page. So if there's anything that I uh, uh, was unable to get right or on the show or have a little nugget of information I didn't have there, I'll put it in the show notes. But there were two, there was a couple of things that uh, last week that I got hung up on, and I shouldn't have. Uh, when I was talking about baseball, I was talking about the 1908 uh, National League pennant race. Uh, toward the end of that season, there were three teams in a pennant race. Now, two of the teams were important to the story I was telling about Merkel's boner. Uh, that was a, a, a botched play that Fred Merkel did that uh, ended up uh, um, uh, uh, messing up the season for the New York Giants and allowing the Chicago Cubs to win uh, the pennant and get into the World Series and win that World Series. But the so those are two of the teams that were vying for the uh, for the pennant at the end of the season. But there was a third one, and I couldn't think of what it was. I don't know why I had to bring it up. But part of my research for the information for the story, I learned that there were three teams that were in the hunt, and I didn't think to write down the third team. And the Philadelphia Athletics came to mind, but they're not in the National League. They were a team that existed back then, but. The, you know, it wasn't the third team. It was the Pittsburgh Pirates. That was the third team. It didn't really matter because they ended up not factoring in at the end of the season. They 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 faded a little bit. So yeah, Chicago ended up winning and and going out to the World Series and winning that World Series and not winning another one for 108 years. The other little nugget that I got hung up on was when I was talking about the Chris Chambliss home run. I was talking about the, the 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 broadcasters, the people that would you know that call the games when they're on television. Uh, Howard Cosell was the one guy. He does the color. He's the add the background stories and and uh, uh, information about players and things of that nature. Just kind of fill the, fill that information out while the other fellow calls the what's going on in the game and then they might have a little discussion going back and forth as it's going on. And there might be a third person in the booth too, and they're usually a player. Uh, a former player that uh, might know the game a little uh, uh, better and give it that perspective from a player's point of view. Uh, but the guy calling the game, I, I, I didn't write down his name. And I, I just I shot from the hip and I thought, eh, I think it might have been Keith Jackson. And I was right. I looked it up. It was Keith Jackson. <laughs> so there's those two things. Then there's a third little follow-up item. From there, in the three cool things that I do at the end of the show, which when I get to them this week, I'm making a little adjustment to how I do the three cool things. But I'll talk about that. Talk about that when I get to it. Uh, I mentioned that when I was stuck in traffic due to rush hour traffic and a big old storm coming through, uh, a fellow in a vehicle just ahead of me, in the in the in the grid uh, or in the in the in the uh, not grid that's not the word in the uh, grid lock that's the word um, hopped out of the back seat of this SUV and stood out in the street and did a little dance and then he hopped back in to the vehicle and I had a good chuckle at that well it turns out at least I it's it's quite possible what this guy was doing was this in my feelings Drake dance challenge okay there apparently there's a pop star hip-hop star guy named drake i'm vaguely aware that he's out there i'm 
I've grown. I've gotten to the age where new music is. It's to to acquire information about new music is very difficult, and I just I don't have the energy. <laughs> and hip hop was never my favorite. There's some stuff I like, but for the most part, I'm I'm more interested in melodies and hooks, that kind of stuff. I like that, and you just don't get a lot of that in hip hop. You sometimes you do, but not a lot. And anyway, so Drake is one of these new guys, and uh, he's very popular. And <clears throat> he put out this song called In My Feelings. And I did watch the video for the song to see if it, there's any indication of why this, this, this dancing thing happens. And there wasn't in the video. And uh, incidentally, in the video, I mean, I, one of the things I don't like about pop music today, hip-hop and pop music, you know, the stuff that I'm hearing today, is the way overuse of auto-tune. And... You know, it's auto tune started getting used to correct singers who can't sing very well, or if they, you know, they might botch a note and they correct it. You know, otherwise they can hit that note, but just for ease of uh, uh, recording time, they just fix that little thing in post, so to speak. Um, but then it became an effect that uh, people would put on their voices. Now, for me, whenever I hear auto tune, I just think that this person can't sing. Even if it's done for effect, uh, Justin Bieber does it a lot, so I'm thinking he can't sing. Yeah, I mean any song I ever hear by him, and I can't—I got to tell you, I haven't heard a lot by him. But anytime I hear a song by him, I hear the auto tune going throughout the whole thing. It's probably done as an effect. It's—it's it's done on purpose. They—you—you you are intended to hear it, and when it's to cover up that they can't sing, and it's done subtly. Uh, then you know the 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 producers of the record and the artists they don't want you to notice it. But when more often than not now, as far as I've been able to ascertain, it's done on purpose and they want you to notice it because they like the effect. Well, I there's very seldom uh, a song that I've heard that does it on purpose that uses it on purpose that doesn't bug me. That's just me. I'm an old guy. What can I say? So. <clears throat> It turns out that there's this internet person, uh, internet celebrity named Shiggy. Uh, he put out a video of himself dancing in the street, which I, I don't know if the video itself was taken from inside a car, but you can see there are cars going by on the street, but he's, he seems to be fairly safe and out of the way of traffic, and he's just out there doing some goofy dance on the street. And he put the video up, it went viral, and somehow... The young people, and the dumber among the young people, uh, picked up this idea that they should do the same thing, except they added this little twist. What they do is they, they slow their car down so it's just moving at a crawl. They put it in neutral so it keeps on rolling. They open their door. They have the passenger take out their video-making device. And the driver hops out of the car and does a little dance as they move along with this moving vehicle. It's really dumb. That's a dumb thing to do. You know, leave it to the kids to come up with something dumb to do. Because, well, they all think they're going to live forever, right? And, you know, every generation of kids have done some kind of stupid thing that would be sort of like that. But apparently, that's this thing that they're doing. And once in a while... <laughs> the uh, the person that wants to make this video is uh, um, uh, underestimating how uh, fast their car is going. They don't realize that they're going a little quicker than they th than they are. They think they're going slow enough. They get out and they fall. So I mean, somebody's going to get seriously hurt if this keeps up. But it's something that happens, and I you know I I, just, I don't but I it's it's silly it's and it's stupid. And don't do it. So, I'm thinking then, I could be wrong, but I'm thinking that what was going on that day was one of those Drake, Shiggy, in my feelings, get out in the street and dance things. But the situation was, we were all at a standstill at that moment anyway. It's not as though he was really flirting with a lot of danger there. So, you know, it's still worth a chuckle, but just, you know, kids... Don't do that. It's it's kind of stupid. It's not kind of stupid. It's just plain stupid. <sighs> so, it's been a couple weeks since I've done a show. Has anything happened? Anything interesting happened? <laughs>
Speaking of stupid, our president had a meeting with the uh, president of Russia. Uh, um, uh, what's his name? Putin. Vladimir Putin. And um, <clears throat> the reactions to that, uh, that meeting and him stepping out and essentially saying that, oh, I think I wrote it down. I wrote, uh, here's, here was the quote. Uh, I don't see any reason why I would or why it would be Russia. And he's, he's mentioning, th he's saying uh, that's in response to Russian hacking of or tr attempting to influence the 2016 presidential election. So he's saying he, he doesn't know why he would think that Russia would have anything to do with it. That's what he's saying, he's, right? So, so, he, so he says this, and of course the, the usual suspects are going to hate whatever he says anyway. I mean, short of him coming out with and putting a gun in his mouth, nothing he says is going to make or does is going to make them happy. But what I thought was interesting was how uh, other Republicans reacted. Uh, some very prominent Republicans were very uh, disturbed by his uh, ignoring or not believing the, the, the intelligence agencies when they're telling him, look, <laughs> the Russians tried to influence the election or they got in there and did some stuff with the elections using social media and things of that nature to try to, to throw, you know, to get a certain outcome. Uh, and, and most uh, uh, vocal of it, uh, of them, was uh, John McCain, who used to be the Democrats' favorite Republican. Uh, but then he ran for president, and then he became fell out of favor, and he's stayed out of favor for a little while because the, you know, the the Democrats that who who uh, to whom he used to be their favorite were still a little upset because he brought Sarah Palin to uh, national prominence. Uh, she's pretty much nothing now, but you never know; she can come back up again, and they'll look well. Thanks a lot, McCain. But since McCain voted no on that Obamacare um, attempt to repeal or whatever they were doing at that point, uh, since he did that and now that he's speaking out against Trump I mean he put something out that was pretty strong uh, language against what Trump was saying and how you know this is this guy's this guy's naive and, and stupid and dumb or whatever McCain was saying uh, I think he's regaining that status for the Democrats as their favorite Republican uh, it's too bad he's he's very ill at this point and probably won't be alive for much longer but um, I, I didn't want to talk about this too long but I wanted to mention a couple of things that I find interesting. Um, the people that uh, let's, let's cast our minds back, oh, just a decade and a half. And if there, if you remember George W. Bush and the run into uh, the war in Iraq? Okay, remember how that all went down, and and people got upset. You know, the the those on the left that didn't like Bush. And Democrats and even some moderate Republicans were upset that uh, he he believed his intelligence agencies at the time. He he believed them, and so they were upset with him, right? And then they end up calling him a liar and you know all that. Uh, but these same people, not maybe not exactly the same people, but the same types of people, because it's been 15 years and there's been a turnover, I suppose. But the same type of person are now upset with with President Trump because he appears not to believe his his uh, intelligence gathering agencies <laughs> and 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 not, and they think he's lying right and so and what I found amusing uh, uh, of this whole thing was that uh, how Fox News was what were they going to do? <laughs> <laughs> how how could we continue to be his lapdog? But when he's doing this, and other Republicans are upset, and what do we what do we do? So well, so they had a rough couple of days before Trump uh, went on the record and said, "Oh, he misspoke." And I'm telling you, you didn't even have to have the TV on. You didn't have to have your TV on. You didn't have to be anywhere near a television, and you could hear the collective sigh of relief that the Fox News people let out. At that moment, they went, "Oh, great! Yes, good, good. He misspoke. Okay, everything's fine. You could just hear that." And uh, so, um, I know that the 
it's it's not exactly analogous. Things have changed in intelligence gathering since going into Iraq uh, uh, with George W. Bush. Uh, I know it's changed, and and the intelligence gathering was, gathering has gotten better. Uh, at least we hope it has, and they've learned some lessons because that was an intelligence failure. Because not only it's now cast your mind back to that time period. Can you remember any world? agency, you know, uh, uh, um, intelligence agency, any of them, not just the American ones, but the Canadians, the French, the Germans, the Russians, the, the, the British, the South Africans, the, the, you know, any of them, the Brazilians, whatever, was there anybody in the world at that time that was saying Saddam did not have weapons of mass destruction? Was, were there any of them? Any? There weren't. Now, the thing that was going on with the Bush administration was that there was an atmosphere that the most dire evidence, the most dire intelligence about WMD and anything else that they could use to, to justify military action, the most dire stuff, even if it wasn't as well-founded, would be pushed higher. You know, that would be, would be you know, stuff that, uh, uh, that Bush would see. You know, he'd be more likely to see that information. The stuff that might have been a little lower uh, threatening, but was better, had better foundation, might might not have been as prioritized. And don't forget as well, uh, you know, he had his 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 uh, CIA director at the time, uh, George Tenet. You know, when Bush was saying, "Are we sure about this?" I mean, this is right before the invasion. Are we sure about this, fellas? And he says, Tenet says, "It's a slam dunk." It's a slam dunk. So, you know, he believed his intelligence people. Trump doesn't believe his intelligence people. It's 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 a tangled web. <laughs> and as long as I'm on this comparison thing, remember Ronald Reagan? Remember him? He had the audacity to call the Soviet Union our enemy in the Cold War that we had been in for decades. We didn't know at the time that we were at the tail, tail end of that Cold War. We didn't know at that point that within a couple of years of Reagan leaving office, the Cold War would end because the Soviet Union would collapse. We didn't know that was around the corner. So Reagan was, you know, called it an evil empire, even against the advice of his own staff. So we had you know, the liberals and leftists and Democrats and even moderate Republicans being, what are you doing? What are you calling the evil empire? What are you doing? Can we be friendlier? And then he walked away from the talks that were set up in Reykjavik, uh, Iceland, with uh, with Gorbachev. You know, Gorbachev, the savior of the world. And he walked away from those because he uh, Reagan did not believe that Gorbachev came to negotiate in good faith. He walked away. He says he wasn't going to take strategic defense off the table, and Gorbachev wanted it taken off the table. So he, you know, and everybody was upset about that. What are you doing? Oh, can't we be friendlier with him? And even Sting, you know, pop singer icon Sting wrote a song, uh, you know, reminding us that even the Russians love their children. Remember? You know, that was, and that's when they were the Soviet Union. They were our enemy. So now, not that, uh, not that Russia is our best buddy, and Putin is, not that Putin's not an underhanded, tyrannical dictator that we should be much more circumspect of, not that that's not the case, but... It's, these, it's, it's, it's almost like that same thing with the way people looked at Bush then. That same type of, of pe person is it, the, the way they looked at Bush then and look at Trump now. And the same type of person looking at Reagan then and looking at Trump now. Now they're saying we shouldn't be friendly with the Russians. <laughs> and I, I fully, I think I just read that Trump or that Sting is going back into the studio to re-record that song to uh, say that, well, it turns out that the Russians don't love their children. Anyway, uh, I've gone a little bit long. I'm going to take my break. And I'll be back to talk about some more stuff. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at uh, ztalkradio.com. I will be back. Right? Yes, yes, I will be back. I promise.
Get him some Z's. Get him some Z's. Get him some Z's. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Listen to Z Talk Radio. On ZTalkRadio.com. On the go and missing another one of your favorite Z-Talk shows? Now you don't have to. Simply go to the Google Play Store on your Android phone and download the Z-Talk radio app. The best part is, it's absolutely free. That's Z-Talk radio. Only found in your Google Play Store on your Android phone. Download it today. Okay, I have something here. It's, it's an EVP. I'm telling you, it's really something. Um, I need to call it up. I gotta tell you, this is uh, really shaking me. I need to play it for you. And, uh, well, I won't, uh, I won't prejudice your mind as to what you're gonna hear. I won't prime the pump. Just have a listen. Did you hear it? Did you hear it? I, I I think that was clear as day. I heard, well, I don't understand it, but it's I heard bread trout, clear as day. Ooh, creepy. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the Z Talk Radio Network. Hi, I'm Amanda Pete. Like all new parents, my husband and I want what's best for our baby. When it was time for our daughter's immunizations, we wanted the facts, so we carefully researched vaccines. We spoke with doctors and other experts and asked some tough questions. We decided the vaccines were the best thing for our child. I urge you to get the facts. Learn the facts about vaccines so you can make the best healthcare decisions for your family. Thank you. A message from the American Academy of Pediatrics and vaccinateyourbaby.org. <laughs> we give those other guys the finger. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. And welcome back to Dimland Radio. Uh, I gotta get my volume up here. Hang on a second. There, is that better? Yeah. Uh, welcome back to Dimland Radio here in the Z Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Okay, uh, enough of that political stuff. But, um, you know, for those of you who don't like variety, I have variety for you. Anyway, the Mandela Effect. I've talked about the Mandela Effect before on the show. Uh, and just to give you a quick recap of what it is, uh, this is by my understanding. I could be wrong, but I think I got it right. Uh, it is, it's when a, a large percentage of, of the human population remember something incorrectly. They have distinct memories of an event or of a, of a let's say, a song being a certain way. And then when they're when it's demonstrated to them, it says no, it's it's not that way. That hasn't been the event. It's this. They they say what? That this, that's not how I remember it. And uh, it's called Mandela the Mandela effect because uh, uh, Nelson Mandela, world leader, uh, uh, Nelson Mandela had uh, uh, there's a there's a, a moment that that um, uh, that people have locked into their minds about him and they're remembering it incorrectly and that is so there are many people who believe that he died in prison which he did not he was released from prison he uh, you know he was he went back to working for South Africa to end apartheid he became president of South Africa for a time uh, and then you know then he, he was no longer president did, did whatever he did in his life after that and then eventually he died but many people remember him dying in, in prison. And it's just, a, it's just a weird psychological misremembering thing. It's just, it's just it happens. And 
the more conspiratorial types, the more paranormal types, those people who think in those ways, they look at it as uh, the conspiratorial, conspiratorial types will look at it, as it, uh, at it as though they, whoever they are, that uh, they that run everything, they change history on us. We're remembering something, we're remembering it correctly, but in the meantime, they have changed the history. So, uh, for, for whatever reason, you know, whatever, uh, to, to, to advance their New World Order plans, which are whatever those are. Uh, there's that, and then there's the paranormal types, uh, or the pseudoscience types, that think that it's a, it's a uh, multiple dimensions, you know, alternative uh, or uh, parallel dimensions that are colliding. So, in another dimension, in a parallel universe, uh, Nelson Mandela did die in prison and that little bit collides with us here and some of us are affected by it so we remember something from a different dimension which or universe and and, you know, and, and neither of which are of those are very um, uh, uh, very well supported by evidence or even logic so I bring this up because one of the examples of the of the Mandela effect is that Many people think the last words of the song, We Are the Champions, by Queen, the last words are of the world. But the song, as, it's as it was recorded in the studio, as it, the, the, that release on the album or on the single, the, the song ends with Freddie Mercury singing, We Are the Champions, and then it just kind of tails off. He doesn't say, of the world. So, but many people remember it that way. Well, there's a new biopic coming out that is about Queen and, and, and Freddie Mercury. And I believe it's called Bohemian Rhapsody. And it looks like it's going to be pretty good. But you can't always tell by a trailer. But I'm intrigued and interested in seeing it. And they in that trailer, which I'll, I'll find and I'll link to on the show notes page, which you can get to by going to... Uh, dimland.com click on the blog app option and you'll find the show notes so I'll click to I'll, I'll link somehow to the uh, to the uh, trailer so you can watch it and the trailer gives a flavor of what the movie's going to be about which is what they're supposed to do and you can see that there's a, it's a span of their career and you see you know Freddie Mercury changing his look from the long-haired guy at the beginning to the short-haired guy with the big mustache and and uh, and they part of the ad shows the the film's reenactment of the Live Aid appearance where Queen was the triumphant band of Live Aid. Them and U2 really, um, you know, really set a great stage for themselves, uh, for the world. And and uh, Queen, Freddie wasn't even sure he wanted to do it, but when they did it, he just, you know, he does his thing, man. He's, he's one of these, possibly the greatest front man of any rock band ever. And the ads going and they're showing clips of that live performance and they're singing we are the champions and it gets to the end of the ad and it ends with Freddie Mercury singing out we are the champions of the world he says of the world and I went oh you know this ad this trailer and the movie it appears like it might add to this Mandela effect about this of the world the song doesn't end that way but then I thought, I'm going to look into this a little bit. And what I found was, you, you can find th uh, the performance of that song uh, by Queen at Live Aid on YouTube. You can find it. And I watched it. And it was great. And it ends with Freddie singing, Of the World. So I got to think that they did that in other live performances. Not just Live Aid, but Live Aid. How many people watched that when that went on? You know, I would imagine a couple hundred people were watching that, right? Well, a couple hundred million. <laughs> I, th this thing was watched, you know, all over the world. So um, I'm not sure that the, the "We Are the Champions" uh, is a is a, is is a good example of the Mandela effect because Freddie and the band. Well, they just they made sure that we they put that into our minds because they actually did it. Sure, the recorded song on the album as a single ends 
with saying we are the champions. But when they would do it live, at least at Live Aid, and like I said, I got to think they did it in other live performances, so you, you, they spread it out to a huge audience. So, of course, a lot of people remember the song ending that way because it did when they played it live. It was fun to learn a little something, a little something new. Um, let's see what time. Okay, um, uh, I don't know if I, I was I was going through and doing my list of Dimland Radio science heroes and science zeros that I've named for the show, and I don't know if I have the complete list. I'll have to do more work to uh, to find them all. But um, I, I went through them and I I didn't see that I had uh, listed um, uh, Penn and Teller as Dimland Radio science heroes. Now. You know, they had their series. They, they could get it for their series uh, um, uh, bullshit. They could get it for that, even though uh, there's a few episodes on there that skeptics looked at and said and took exception to. Um, the you know Penn and Teller do get a few things wrong on that series, and Penn has said often that they should do uh, a, a, you know, a special show, the the bullshit of bullshit, where they go through and and correct the things that they got wrong. On their series, they, and they should do something like that. But, uh, and I know I've talked about this video clip before, uh, but I'm going to bring it up again. Uh, and, th and it's this is the reason why I would uh, that I'm naming Penn and Teller Dimland Radio Science Heroes. Uh, they're they're minute and a half open for their bullshit episode on vaccines. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I'll link to it on the show notes. It is fantastic. It, 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 it's a wonderful demonstration of how, how stupid it is to not want to get vaccines. Uh, how dangerous it is to not want to get vaccines, vaccinated. Uh, in a nutshell, the way it's set up, they, have, uh, they, they talk about how it's thought that uh, vaccines cause autism, which they don't. But they say that uh, um, you know they have a number of like for one in 110 people will d have uh, autism, something like that. That's whatever. I think that's the statistic they worked with. And so what they did was, uh, is they set up two fields of 110 uh, little pl plastic bowling pins, and in these two rectangular fields on the floor behind them, and the, and one field is protected by a plexiglass sheet that's on rollers and that's vaccines that represents vaccines the other one isn't and Penn pulls the plexiglass sheet in front of the 110 and one of the pins gets knocked out of the box and they they point that out and say okay that that will represent the one in 110 that gets autism you know and then they reiterate that uh, that vaccines do not cause autism but they're gonna say let's just say it does okay so that's the one so then what they do is they start throwing these plastic balls at the uh, at each collection of pins. And Penn is doing the talking, of course, and he's naming off all the vaccinations that are out there. The one for chicken pox, and one for measles, and one for the mumps, and one for smallpox, and then polio, and all this. They're naming all these, and he's throwing... He's throwing the ball at uh, the protected ones, and Taylor's, throw, Taylor's throwing them at the unprotected ones, and... And when they get to the end, uh, we see that none of the remaining 110, uh, 109, I guess, uh, of the pins were affected by uh, by any of those diseases because of the vaccine wall. While you know, the other area, Teller's area, they're just decimated. I mean, just knocked all the pieces. And you know, so it's beautiful. It's perfect. It's the it's it's such a, a fantastic minute and a half, I think. Uh, I think it's about how long it takes. It demonstration. It's just brilliant. So if I can find it on, on YouTube, if it's still up there, I'll find it. I'll put it on there. Okay. So, but I do have a Dimland Radio Science Zero to talk about, and that is Pendulette. That's right. Uh, he has a podcast now. You know that he's lost a whole ton of weight <laughs> recently over the last uh, two three years now. He's lost a whole bunch of weight. He's been keeping it off. And he's it's essentially he's gone vegan. Not absolutely vegan, but essentially gone vegan. And, you know, according to him, he's healthier. He's got, there's a lot of people, there's the other two hosts of his, uh, that, that, that the co-hosts that work with him on his show, they've both done the same thing and lost weight. Uh, there's other people that he knows that have lost weight. So it, it does work to lose weight, but they are restricting their calories 
quite a bit. And uh, they've changed their eating habits, definitely. And eating meat is not something that happens very much anymore. And they've, they've given up the processed foods and the sugars and the oils and the salts and all that. You know, they've, they've done all that kind of stuff. And, and, and Teller, or Pat Teller, I don't know what Teller's doing. And I wonder what he thinks about this. But Penn, he can talk about what he wants on his show. I know I've mentioned this in the past. that sometimes it gets a little too diet talk. Well, he just had a two-part episode or podcast where he interviews this fellow named Dr. Michael Clapper, and Dr. Michael Clapper is um, is full of shit, <laughs> and um, and I, I I was I was reluctant to try to listen to it, but I gave it a shot. I did not get too far into it um, before Dr. Clapper claimed that uh, doing a water only fast for 21 days or however long that they do it, you need doctor supervision when you're doing it. Penn went on a one, and he ended it after 14 days. But uh, you know, this, 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 I don't know. They think it's going to reset your mind or something like that. Which I, I'm not sure. The fasts are a great idea, but um, Penn uh, has this guy on, and he claims that this water-only fast makes the body uh, reuse its uh, energy differently. You know, it's 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 pulling. It's not wasting energy on feeding cancer cells. And the guy talked about. He knows of two cases with uh, women who had large um, uh, lymphoma tumors that melted away. And as soon as I heard that, I went, "Okay, I'm done. I'm not going to listen to this one, and I'm not going to listen to the other part. I'm just not going to listen to it. Fine. Uh, the other aspects of Penn's show are still pretty good and entertaining, but I, I just I can't. I can't go on with this." And uh, the blogger Oric of the Respectful Insolence, uh, I think that's the name of his blog. I'll link to it. Uh, he he did listen to both of them, and he looked into this guy. And and Oric is actually Dave Gorsky, who is a doctor. He's a surgeon. He knows medicine. Uh, he knows that most of what uh, this Clapper talked about is just straight up bullshit. And at best, uh, some of the stuff is just is very very tenuously supported not maybe not support it's just really eh, not so great so he's just he's just like this this is just uh terrible and and and, and you know so the, dr club yeah he's a quack or at least it's that's how it sounds to me uh but to see i'm not giving him the science zero i'm giving pen it because pen is giving the guy a platform to spout his nonsense and not only that uh, Oric has found that uh, Penn will tweet. Uh, people ask Penn's questions about uh, losing weight or whatever. He says, hey, don't ask a juggler this. And he refers him to Clapper. Uh, Clapper's website and all this. And it's, it's, it's as Penn and Teller once said, everybody got a gree-gree. And a gree-gree is that belief that you have, that everybody's got some belief that is, is irrational, that the evidence is against, but for some reason we cling to it. You know, it's a blind spot. If, you know, for for a for a skeptic, it's a blind spot in their skepticism, in their critical thinking, and and Penn's got one, and it's right there. It's this whole vegan diet thing. Not that it's not a bad thing. I'm not saying that vegan diet's a bad thing if it's done well. If you if you're careful to make sure that you're getting the nutri nutrients you need and all that kind of stuff. If you're making sure that you're doing it, because there's there are bad vegan diets. Yeah, that's fine if that you want to do it. It'll work. You know, it's 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 the, the whole. There's no mystery about losing weight. Eat less, mostly plants, and exercise. If you if you limit the number of calories you take in each day, you're going to lose weight. It, it's you know, and it, but but are you going to get the nutrition you need? So you have to be careful. So work with a doctor, okay? And, but not Dr. Clapper. So yes, Penn and Teller are science heroes because of their vaccine stance and that wonderful bit. But yes, Pendulette's a science zero when it comes to this diet thing and where he's gotten to at this point. I'm sure he will respond to Gorsky's uh, or Oryk's uh, um, critique. But, uh, you know, and, and see, that's the other thing. If he responds, my, my expectation is that Penn will, will, will be demonstrating the backfire effect, which is if you, as a skeptic, are trying to explain where somebody is wrong about something, 
about a belief, you're trying to talk them out of, of joining that multi-level marketing thing, you know, you're just going to lose money. You know, you should get out of that multi-level marketing thing here and you're, you're going to just lose money. They will, they will double down on it. They will cling to it. It's, it's, it's just a, it's in human nature. I don't know why. I don't know what the psychology of it is, but it's there, and I have a feeling that Penn will hold down on it a little harder. You know, I almost think that I almost hope for an intervention uh, for, with James Randi. You know, James Randi is, is Penn's hero. James Randi is a critical thinker and all that. I, I and I would think that if he had this, you know, if some doctors were talking to to um, if some skeptical doctors were talking to to, to, to Randi and saying, you know, you got to talk to Penn. Uh, we're a little worried about him. But Penn has lost weight. He has been keeping it off. So hopefully his health is better. Uh, but still. Uh, the, the the trouble is is he's he's giving examples to others uh, with this stuff that um, could be dangerous or it's just it's I don't know it just bothers me. Uh, but what doesn't bother me is being able to take a break. Uh, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host Jim Doctor Jim Fitzsimmons. I shall return. This station is not your cup of tea. Then drink coffee! 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 Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio's Red-Headed Stepchild. It's Dr. Dim on Dimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network. If you don't clean up your room, the Board of Health is going to condemn it. The Board of Health doesn't even know about your room. What's more, they don't care. You know, if you keep making that face, it's going to freeze that way. Not unless you're someplace really, really cold. Actually, a lot of the warnings moms hand out are a bit exaggerated. If you don't get your blood pressure checked, you could have high blood pressure, not even know it, and you could die from a stroke. But she's right about that one. Fact is, high blood pressure contributes to 200,000 American deaths each year. And a third of those who have high blood pressure don't know it. If they did, it'd be simple to treat. Call the American Heart Association at 1-800-AHA-USA-1 or visit AmericanHeart.org on the web to learn more. Better still, ask your doctor to check your blood pressure. If you run without scissors... It's the least you can do. Station identification. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Operating frequency on ztalkradio.com. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Uh, for this last segment of the show, I'm going to say that uh, I had a really good week or so on social media. <laughs> uh, my uh, Trump-free Thursdays 
are are good. I just hide on every Thursday. I just hide all the posts that are about Trump. Good, bad, neutral, whatever. Just hide them all. I have a Trump-free Thursday, and it's it's nice. Although I gotta say, I forgot to do it on <laughs> this Thursday, but I wasn't on Facebook that much. I was busy writing my blog about the movie. The Maltese Falcon, which I've recommended before, but I can't recommend it highly enough, so uh, or often enough, so I'm recommending it again. The version you need to watch is the 1941 version, not the 1931 version, and not the 1936 version, although I've never seen the 1936 version, which is actually called Satan Met, Met a Lady, and stars Betty Davis, but I hear it's kind of a comedy, and it's very loosely based on the book by Dashiell Hammett, which came out in 1930. Um, it's just not so great. But uh, I'm a member of the f uh, Facebook group uh, called uh, Pre-Code Hollywood 1929 to 1934. Uh, and, and then there's like uh, Celluloid Sin or Sin on cellulo Celluloid. That's easy words to say. And I, I'm relatively new to the group and I just started a discussion about the uh, um, the depiction of certain characters in the movie, the uh, the Maltese Falcon. I said the 1941 version. I said I know it's not during the pre-code era, but I find it interesting how during the code era, and that means the Hayes Code, which was uh, which got started to become enforced strongly in 1934 saying that Hollywood can't depict certain things and you can't broach certain topics and use certain words or have you know show certain kinds of violence and sex references and things like that they they really started to 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 uh, clamp down so directors and screenwriters would come up with clever ways to hint at stuff and so the movie uh, the uh, the 41 version of um, of Maltese Falcon was directed and written by um, uh, John Huston. It was John Huston's first movie that he directed, and it stars uh, Humphrey Bogart as Sam Spade, who is a private eye who gets mixed up in this this group of thieves that are after uh, this this black bird, which is supposed to be very very valuable, uh, and it's just this they won't stop at anything to to get it. And he gets he gets caught in the middle of it. There's murders that take place, and he's trying to clear his name because he's suspected of, of uh, at least one of the murders, possibly two of them. And he's trying to you know figure this all out. The plot is maybe a little difficult to follow if you've never seen it before, but it it doesn't matter because it's it's about the characters and they're fantastic. The characters are fantastic. But what I brought up was Peter Lorre plays a character named Joel Cairo. Now, as I recall from the book, and I've read the book, and from what I've read about the book otherwise, uh, it's very clear in the book that Joel Cairo is gay. It's also pretty clear that Casper Gutman, he plays the fat man. He's the big guy that's looking for this bird. Uh, he's the main guy. Uh, it's clear that he's gay, and he has a young bodyguard uh, that is uh, thought to be his uh, boy toy. And and Dashiell Hammett, who wrote the book, makes uses language that makes it clear that that's what that is. He calls Wilmer a catamite, which means uh, a um, uh, a young man uh, kept for homosexual sexual purposes. And and it, that's that's a catamite. A catamite is the is that word. But when he when Dashiell Hammett was going to first publishing the book as a serialized version in a magazine, the editor wouldn't let him use that word because it's vulgar. So Hammett came up with the, using the word gunsel, which means the same thing. Except he knew his editor, or he figured his editor would see the word gun in there, and he thought it would mean gunman. Because that's, I mean, that's what it's come to mean since the movie came out. But it was used to mean the same thing. All right. Now, I talked about the Joel Cairo character and how they subtly put in little hints about how he's uh, how he's gay, and uh, I mentioned this handle of the uh, umbrella that he's holding is very phallic. But people in the in the comment thread, most people were very interested. They had a very long, interesting conversation in there, and I blogged about the movie, so I'll I'll link to that. I, I recommend that movie, 
and some people just couldn't see the phallicness of that, that of that umbrella handle because it's got a 90 degree bend from the long part to the short part of the handle uh, and you know if you just ignore the long part of the handle or if you think of the long part of the handle as the man's body all right either his top half or lower half and you think of the shorter part that's coming out 90 degrees from there as his erection which the handle had a nice metal cap at the tip of the of the of the handle which you know like the head of a penis come on and Peter Lorre is, is moving this thing around. And he puts it against his mouth. He aims the thing right at his mouth, puts it against his mouth. The, it's, you know, it's, he's subtly, there's, or not so subtly, showing to the audience that this character's gay. There's other moments in there that happen. And in my, in my blog, I write more about it. But what I thought was interesting, and I write about this in the blog, is I did watch the 1931 version, which is horrible. The guy who plays Sam Spade is an actor named Ricardo Cortez, and he's a good-looking guy, but he's too good-looking. He's too too much of a dandy. He's not rough enough to be a gumshoe. Yeah, and he's a leering, lecherous, after all the gals. I mean, the, the, the look on his face, I can't show you the look on his face. I can link you to the movie. You can actually watch it online, or at least watch some clips of it. And, and you'll see what I mean. But I'll try to do with this uh, through, the, through audio to explain to you what that look, that this grin that he would get on his face would look like. It was... Uh, <laughs> that's, what it, that's what it looks like. Because he looks at every woman like, and gives her that, that smile as if to say, not only am I undressing you with my eyes, I'm telling you, lady, we're going to have sex sooner or later. And that's, I mean, this... Ugh... <laughs> <laughs> it's awful. It's awful. Uh, but the 31 version does lead me to one of these. It's time for another Dimland Radio pedantic moment. What did they get wrong this time, Dim? <laughs> I'll tell you. Early in the film, which is pretty eyebrow-raising when you when you see what goes goes on in that, I'll, I'll I'll link to the clip for the beginning of the film where they introduce Sam Spade uh, to the 1931 version. In the back part of the office, you see one of those wall calendars where it's just you know it's day by day and it just has the big number of the day, and above it it'll say something. And it, I'm sure it's a calendar, and it's got a big number five. So whichever day, you know, whichever month it is, it's the fifth. Okay. So the the this one client comes in, a Miss Wonderly. She wants to engage uh, uh, Sam Spade in sex. Uh, well, that's eventually, but no, in in a case. And she talks about he, she needs him to get her younger sister away from this dangerous fellow, and she and he needs to do that before their parents return from a trip in Europe, uh, and the first of the month, which, you know, the, not, of course, would be the next month, right? Sam Spade thinks for a second, so, well, first of the month, eh? well, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's two weeks. Yeah, that won't be no problem. No, if it's the fifth, it's a lot more than two weeks. I know. Yeah. Like I said, do yourself a favor. Watch the 1941 version. It's fantastic. Don't worry about maybe not understanding what's going on in the mystery stuff. Don't worry about it. Just go with the characters. Enjoy the dialogue. It looks great. It's it's considered by some to be the first of uh, Hollywood's film noir films. It's just uh, it's just really good. It's really good. Okay, I've got three cool things. I said I was going to do this a little different now. The three cool things. I was doing them like the top three and doing them like a top ten list, a top three list from three down to one. These are just three things. I'm, I, I'm not going to rank them. It's just going to be three cool things. The first one is, um, uh, let's see, is that post that I put up on Facebook about uh, about the uh, the uh, 1941 version of uh, uh, Multis Falcon and the 
the homosexual angle of it and the long conversation that came from it. I mean, it's a, it's a lengthy conversation back and forth. Everybody was pretty much nice to each other. There wasn't any name calling. Some people teased me a little bit about uh, you know what kind of penises I've been seeing because of the Ben thing. But really, come on, if that doesn't look phallic to you, your mind is a lot less dirty than mine. Uh, number two, uh, another really cool thing that happened this week. Um, or I finished a piece of art for Nostalgia Zone. Uh, I've been doing these um, these uh, these 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 placards, these pieces of art to that 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 uh, Dave, this, the store manager, uses when he makes videos of the new arrivals of comic books and magazines that come to the store. So he wants a little beginning. They'll say new arrivals, and he wants an end part that says it's the end. And so you know, there's so I've been doing these, and I've done seven of them now. I've got one more to do, and the and they've been getting better as I've been going along. They've been getting, you know, uh, I've been enjoying the designs more and getting better at using the medium that I'm working with because I'm not very familiar with working with watercolor ma uh, markers. Well, I've done this one that is a uh, an homage to Basil Gogos. I think that's how you say his name. He was the uh, main illustrator for the covers of uh, Famous Monsters of Filmland, that magazine that came out in the 70s, I think, 60s and 70s. And he, I, so I found one that I thought I could could work with, and it was of the creature, you know, the creature from the Black Lagoon, the Gill Man, and I started working. And I am, I tell you, I'm so pleased with how it turned out. I really am. It's 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 that's, it's it's, I just think it looks really good, uh, and and I I posted it on Facebook. You perhaps you may have seen it, and I'll post it on the show notes page so you can take a look. Uh, and um, an artist friend of mine in Facebook, a fellow that does sculptures for uh, figurines of, of comic book characters and monsters and things, he just said, he simply put, he put a like to it and he wrote, nice work. And oh, it's so cool when somebody that's a really good artist says to me, it says to, it says to you, if you're an artist, nice work. That's, that's pretty good. Uh, number three, there was a comic book page, original art page that I've had since the 1980s. I bought it for 12 bucks. The artist is Dan Atkins, and the inker is Vince Coletta. Uh, these might be names you don't know. Dan Atkins is usually more known as a inker than a penciler, but he did the pencil of his page, and Vince Coletta did the inks. There's some debate whether that page was actually inked by Vince Coletta because he has a very recognizable style. And it does not look like his style there. And it's possible that Dan Atkins inked it himself, but who knows? Um, I only go. I can only go by the information that I got in the comic book, and it says that's Vince Coletta's the inker. But I had that page, and I couldn't. And months ago, got in a conversation on Facebook, and I tried to find it, and I couldn't find it. You know, it came up in a conversation. I was going to get a picture of it, put it on on post it on the page, or on the Facebook. And I couldn't find it. I talked to my wife. She'd look for stuff, and I'd look for everything. And so anyway, this past Wednesday night, I was actually not working. <laughs> I was at home, and Amy was doing a bunch of organizing of the stuff that she's gotten, that we've gotten from her in-laws, and she's been doing that a lot lately. And she's been doing stuff down in the basement, and she said to me, I think I may have found something that will make you happy. And she went downstairs, and she came up with a 23-year-old blonde. I don't know what that person was doing in her basement, but she... No, 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 no. She came up with a bin... That was an orange and black bin, and said we thought this was probably this was under the stairs with the other Halloween decorations that are under there. We thought this was probably Halloween decorations, but it says Jim's art stuff on it. She hadn't, so we open it up, we look in there, and sure enough, there's a bunch of really cool art stuff in there, original stuff I've done, uh, uh, art stuff that I've gotten from you know other comic book related type stuff, and there was that original art page. Oh, I'm telling you. It felt so good to have found that again. Uh, Amy won the week. Uh, she gets 10 points or more. Uh, she's, it, it was fantastic. So uh, I hope you've had at least three cool things happen for you this week. Good night, Herr Doctor. Good night, Frau Blucher. Boy, it looks like I've gone a bit over tonight, more over than I usually do, but I was gone for two weeks. There's, I, there's, I've got so much other stuff I could have talked about, and, and I, I don't know what to do, but otherwise, be skeptical of extraordinary claims, require extraordinary evidence. 
even diet and water fast stuff, and even from people like Penn Jillette. Uh, I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons, and I'm reminding you to sleep with the lights off. check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network. And now a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. Bonjour, Monsieur Dim. You are too clever for us naughty people. What did you think of tonight's installment of Dimland Radio? Well, I'm going to hell. Oh, and as if the show wasn't long enough already, um, I forgot I was going to tell you this. This is in relation to uh, the destruction of uh, Trump's Walk of Fame star. Uh, It's the best sentence, or best two sentences uh, that I've read uh, today. I am categorically opposed to vandalism as a political tool because it's an escalation towards violence, and when that starts, no one knows where it will end. If you're looking for a role model for civil disobedience, try Gandhi, not the pickaxe guy. Hear, here. <laughs>